a friend of mine told me, your team has to also aspire to be you to a certain sense. Like, why would anybody grow in the company if the more they grow, the more miserable their life becomes? <laughs> like, you have to, as a leader, show that it's possible to be a leader and have a semblance of a good life. When I was running Game Analytics, we had an office in London, an office in Copenhagen, and then Copenhagen school ends around four or something like that. So they had to go and pick up their kids and everybody in London knew and we left later, but it was like, it's normal. Of course, they're going to go. Like if work needs to get done, it gets done. We don't have to police these people's schedule. They're not children for us to tell them what to do and when to work, you know, but as long as we had enough hours together to achieve what we had to achieve together, it was fine. And I really love that way of working. It was also a really healthy way. And I'm glad that more organizations are doing this. So welcome everyone for a new segment of Rise and Play. So today I have not one guest, but two guests on a bit on different format to talk about routines. So I invited Johanna and Simonetta. So I put in the show notes as well, more information about them, but Johanna has been joining recently the newsletter for Rise and Play and writing last week about how to set boundaries at work and good relationship. And Simonetta has been participating before as well in the podcast to share about her whole journey to become also the CEO of Gamehouse Today. And yeah, Johanna is the CPO at Homa Games and before used to be the CEO at Game Analytics. So before we start today, why we wanted to make it this topic as well part of a segment on more practical case on the podcast on how to help leaders take some tools of what can improve their life, balance or how they manage their priorities. One thing I found particularly hard is having discipline around the routines you build for yourself, like especially in executive roles, if you're a CEO, CEO, any C-suite executive level, there's a lot of things that come to you, news, life, demands priority, expectation from either stakeholders, investors. And then you need to have a very clear focus on your priorities and discipline to and follow your priorities. So I wanted to interview today two amazing women in CSUIT to share their routine. So hey, Joanna. Hi, Simonetta. Great to have you here. Hey, how are you? Hey, yeah, lovely to be here. Thanks for joining this first segment, like I said, like video and also with free So let me begin with the overall challenge of making time for yourself, because the main challenge is not only about making time for yourself, but having clarity on your priorities and how to start the Monday where there are so many things that packed over the weekend, sometimes unexpected events for the context. Just last weekend, we heard about the SVB collapse. It affected many companies, thankfully not yours. But those things can happen and then you have to start Monday and be effective and there's personal life. So how do you even start Monday? For me, I check on Sundays at the end of the day after my kids and the family time has ended. I do that every night anyway to check what is going on. But in that case, what is happening that week and see if I need to prioritize or cancel or change something in the calendar. So that's usually how I start on Sundays, not on Mondays, my week. What about you, Joanna? So I do something similar, except I really like leaving things in a good position on Friday afternoon because I don't want to kind of have the mental load at the weekend. I would say that sometimes if I've had a week that is full of meetings, I will actually leave some work that I do on Sunday just so I can be clear headed and be able to concentrate and be in my own space. So I don't like to have a Monday morning that is super full of meetings. I will do it occasionally if I have to. 
But I really like to take Monday morning at least until 11 to kind of settle into the week and plan everything out. And it helps me to not start with a super chaotic mindset. Making order in a way with your brain, with your mind, right? Because like knowing, being prepared of what's coming and not discovering it as you open your computer on Monday morning and preparing the work before the work, right? So even the preparation is actually the actual background work before the work. And you do it in different way, like checking the calendar. I do like also used to the Friday afternoon to clear whatever has happened during the week and already have an idea of what's coming. I do as well a gratitude meditation on Sunday evening. It's a ritual I put in my calendar. My calendar is kind of what makes space for things that are personal and professional. Then it helps me go through the whole week like to realize, oh my God, all of this happened. And I'm thankful for this, this, this wasn't great. Kind of a closing the week mentally, a wrench, kind of a drawer, mental drawer. And then we organize and starting the week. So that's one. And the second I have, which is not organizing so much my time, but to give me a peace of mind, like sometimes I have follow-up to do on Monday. I don't want to write people on the weekend, but I don't want to forget. And so something I do is I schedule a lot of sending yeah, yeah. at 8 a.m. And then people ask me like, wow, you were up early. It's like, <laughs> no, I was sleeping. <laughs> the moment someone showed me how to do Slack scheduling or emails, I do it all the time because I feel a little bit guilty. Mm -hmm. Sometimes during the weekend that suddenly something comes up or I read something or there is an inspiration that if I don't do it in that moment, I will forget or I see a game or whatever it is and I schedule it. And sometimes it has happened that I forgot, I put it <laughs> and then someone says, what are you referring with this? And I'm like, oh, sorry, I put it on Saturday <laughs> morning because, <laughs> yes. Sunday night, my mind will start going as I go to bed. It's like I, almost like I'm rested and my brain has energy to kind of go crazy right before I go to bed. So it will help me to do two things. One, if I cannot sleep, just actually write what I'm thinking. Like instead of letting it run over in my head, just stop, take my phone or take something and just write on paper the thoughts so I can get them somewhere. But it's strange how many times like your brain will actually lie to you. Like instead of telling you just get up, write a note for tomorrow and just leave it. Your brain will be like, no, I have to think about this and solve it right now. And it's like, you, you don't. And two, if there's something actually personal that I'm going through, and it can be anything. Let's say I haven't seen my family and I feel guilty and I'm not catching up with life as much as I should. And it helps to just, again, just write those feelings and thoughts on paper because otherwise they somehow get amplified in my mind and they become a bit bigger and heavier than they are. And then it's a bit like I have to carry the weight of these thoughts And again, when I do it, I realize how beneficial it is. Yeah. Also, we are talking about calendar and time management, but it's again more mind management to what should stay in your mind and what is the system or reminder you build around you. Then it's taken care of, not forgotten, and then it doesn't stay as a weight in your mind. And I think we have a lot of those things happening in life. And before we get into that, I'd like to start with a specific as well, and more for my personal curiosity. Okay, we are Monday today and we spoke about the organization, like waking up with more or less clarity on what you need to do. What are the habits that are really important for you to start either the day or the week and like you're not willing to compromise at all? So something I actually picked up during COVID, when I started working from home, I used to wake up and just go directly to work. And after a while, I realized how much that was making me feel like my life is just work, sleep, work. So since then, I do make it a point to wake up earlier, to have my coffee, to listen to a podcast, read something. So basically to do something for myself 
as the day started rather than just go directly into Slack. I used to also exercise in the morning, but I'm not necessarily a morning person. So <laughs> once we could go out of the house again, I was so happy to be able to go out that I didn't want to do that in the house anymore. But I still kept this time for myself to do something before the workday starts. My case, I think, is a little bit more difficult. I don't really have a lot of time for myself. I have a second job that is being the driver of my kids. <laughs> and that takes a lot of time and it's a lot of work. So despite I would like to have more time for myself, reality is it would be against the time I sleep. And sleep for me is a must. I need to sleep eight or nine hours a day minimum. My ideal situation would be to do exercise in the morning. When I did it and I was able to do it in my routine, that was great. But I promised myself to do it, but I can't. Having said that, I love both things. I love my work. I love my family. So I don't find it like I'm missing anything. It's just that I think that I'm getting into an age that I think I need to do it more than I want to do it. So I need to figure out how I'm going to find that space for my own health more than anything else. It's clearly hard. Like I realize this actually, how much of my life can just happen because I am much more in control of my time than parents are. It's extremely admirable to be able to do that and just to stay sane. So just to be like, do a great job at work, do a great job with the family and just remain an entire person. But you seem like you're doing amazing at all of it. Thanks for sharing as well, Swimoneta, because... Yeah, it's hard for you and myself not being in a situation to even imagine, but that's the reality that many parents, mother taking, you know, demanding jobs. And it's not like you cannot have it all, but you can manage. And it's again about priorities. And if I have heard correctly as well, you have chosen some priorities that are just non-negotiable. And I think it's always about that, right? There's always nicer to have, perfect. And then when you start to let go, it's like, it's good, not pushing like, I don't think it's realistic. I mean, the day is limited, like the sleep you mentioned, and also driving your kids. They need to be driven to get somewhere. And then you have the work. How do you keep the clarity on those priorities to be sure that non-negotiable priorities, the right one, you know, you're doing now or in the future? It is hard. I put my kids' calendar in general as a priority, and Game House team knows that I go to the office in Barcelona in the morning after I drop them to school and then I leave at 3.20 to pick them up and then I continue working at work and I make it natural, right? That's what the beauty of working from home brought us, right? That people should not be feeling guilty about their regular parental needs or priorities. If you would ask me, I'd probably work more than if it would be 8 to 5 or 9 to 5 or whatever. But I work more relaxed and I work when it fits me. And one day fits me one way and on Wednesdays it fits me another way. We communicate this openly and in Game House, everyone has that flexibility to adapt. And for me, the flexibility is what made the big difference on being sane <laughs> in all this craziness. <laughs> yeah. If you're close with people and if they trust you and you trust them, you can actually involve them and be like, hey, I need to go do this. I need to pick up my kid. I need to drop them off. Everybody knows that it's part of life. And that's also how you know that you're in a good environment. For us as leaders, I'm very glad that we're discussing this more. And I remember, for instance, when 
I was running game analytics, we had an office in London, an office in Copenhagen. And again, I think in Copenhagen, school ends around four or something like that. So they had to go and pick up their kids and everybody in London knew and we left later, but it was like, it's normal. Of course, they're going to go. Like if work needs to get done, it gets done. We don't have to police these people's schedule. They're not children for us to tell them what to do and when to work, you know, but as long as we had enough hours together to achieve what we had to achieve together, it was fine. And I really love that way of working. It was also a really healthy way when we went to, into the pandemic and helped a lot because the bases were already set. And I'm glad that more organizations are doing this. Yeah, since COVID, maybe even before, the change has been radical. You needed to be in very good gaming companies. In my case, Sulake, that was Finnish, and they are known for very good rights, family, and integration with work, but uh, other people were not having that luxury. And at that time, it was very challenging. And now I'm glad that many people are embracing this as natural. And not only moms or females, it's coming from across the board, single people, parents, they may have other needs. I'm so happy it's happening and it's sustained for good. And that's why when people are talking about remote or not remote, I really don't think that they mean remote. What they mean is flexibility. That's what they are looking for. Yes, totally. I like the practice of showing your personal priority in the calendar. Back to the article you wrote, you know, about the boundaries, right? Do you hide why you have to leave at a certain time or do you talk openly about, well... I care about my job, but, uh, you know, I have other things happening in my life that are important. And it's not to be inclusive of people who are non-parents by choice or just by situation that has valid reasons to live at five if they have other important things as well going on for them. So it's creating the habit and we are a catalyst of it when we are doing it ourselves in position of influence to encourage others to do the same without feeling apologetic. The other day I had a fun thing. Because I work as well at U.S. time. So that's why I'm saying mm-hmm. I work in the morning and then I'm with the kids. And then at night, many times I need to work in U.S. time. And we were in a meeting with a partnership. And it was an important meeting, but the time was running out. And at the end, I said, hey, guys, I'm really sorry, but I need to feed my kids. It's not <laughs> And I, we're really too late. And everyone was like, oh, no, for sure. Don't worry. Go, go feed your kids. But it, it, it was funny because... I said, hey, you know, that's how it is. And everyone understood it. And the reaction of people, oh, yes, please go and feed your kids. And funny enough, I went down and they already had fed themselves. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was not necessary. But I was concerned during the whole meeting. Oh, my God, I need to go down and this is not finishing. So my mind was not properly thinking. So I think sometimes it's better that you just say it. Yeah, setting again boundaries. I am working also with other parents at Savage Games where part of the leadership, our Mishka has two kids and a dog. And I think he sets a good example as well, like saying, I have to pick up my kids or sometimes taking call from the car. Like, this is like a hard stop, please. And so it's not just happening yeah, exactly with the example of mothers. I think it's important as well that we see fathers also making this as a priority, you know, whatever is the deal in the partnership. And one point I wanted to follow up on about boundaries. I mean, I understand from companies like everybody should work not more than X hours. And is this really applying to us as leader? Is that like reflecting the reality? And what do we call work anyway these days? I wanted to challenge you on those thoughts. The moment in my life that I embraced work together with my life was the moment that everything changed. I was very strict at the beginning of my life with 
work before work and after work and I cannot work more than an after five and it was super stressful for me if I was working outside I felt guilty and the moment I realized that integrating it together was better and even sharing my issues or whatever it is it relaxed me and it put me in a better position for both parts because I felt guilty when I was working with my kids and I felt guilty at work because I needed to do other things with my kids. And when I blended them was the moment that for me made the difference. That's why I don't have before work or after work. I just have my life and my life is both. Sometimes I will be taking a phone call from the car while I'm waiting on their activities, but um, that works for me. I think it took me a while to figure out what works for me as well in that I think especially when I became the CEO, I wasn't necessarily the most experienced person in the company. I knew the company very well. I was working very hard, but I kind of almost thought that, okay, now I need to be the most hardworking. I need to be on all the time. Whenever somebody has a need, I have to be there. Everything kind of stops at me and so on. And it kind of took over my life to a level where even mentally I had a problem of conceiving what is my life, what is not my life, because I was mentally always in this headspace that this responsibility is with me always. I really benefited from these boundaries of like, okay, after this hour in the day, I am no longer my role. I am just a person that meets their friends and I can go out and be irresponsible for <laughs> a couple of hours and nothing bad will happen. Like nothing dramatic will happen. I almost felt guilty for doing things in my personal life because anything that risked taking any bit of energy from my professional life, I kind of saw as a negative. So then I kind of had to put this flexibility back in and allow a bit my personal life to basically increase the weight and the importance. A friend of mine told me, your team has to also aspire to be you to a certain sense. Like why would anybody grow in the company if the more they grow, the more miserable their life becomes. <laughs> like you have to, as a leader, show that it's possible to be a leader and have a semblance of a good life. Otherwise, why would anybody want to be a leader in your company? Why would they want to work with a leader that is always miserable? Not appears miserable, but like they can tell like the leader has no personal life. And being a good leader means also being good to yourself and showing people that you can have those boundaries. And you don't always have to be like, again, the hardest working, the person that has no life, the person that's always available. Other people do not want to work with somebody who is like that either. I do take some personal time as well during my work time if I need, again, anything from going to the doctor to going to do something like important personally, helping my partner with something for an hour or two. Like it's important to do that. And the flexibility, again, of working from home has helped. But I still like the kind of time box when I am in work mode and when I am in personal mode so that I can even respond properly. When I started working from home, I'd have lunch with my partner and he would ask me something and I don't know why, but I was in work mode and I would just kind of treat it like, this is a problem I have to solve and I would tell you exactly what to do. <laughs> so then I had to realize that, okay, like at, again, at 12.30 when I have lunch, I kind of go into regular person mode. I don't need to solve all the problems and so on. So it does help me to mentally know which hat I'm wearing. Now it sounded like I'm always thinking in work. <laughs> I'm not. I have a rule at home. We don't talk about work. Rarely I talk about work in front of my kids or I may have a comment or whatever, but I try not to transpass that. And I'm getting older and I think I'm doing that better because I mentally can switch faster, I think, because you realize that everything at the end is less important than other 
things in your personal life and I can switch relatively faster. Definitely before I couldn't switch that fast. It gets more easier to switch with time. And also you're right, you just, once you've been through a certain number of crises, yeah, it, it just gets easier. It's like, oh, it's just a crisis. Like I've been through this, it's just an orange level crisis. Oh, yeah, exactly. it's, it's nothing that we can't handle. You learn over time, right? I mean, it's an iteration process. I think here there's definitely a self-awareness, like knowing what works for you. And it's a trial and error thing, right? Like going from too rigid to flexible, understanding what works for you, where you get most of your energy or yourself, and then applying it. And something also that resonated with me, Simnata, you talked about guilt. Something I found myself as a tool that is very helpful is like accepting it more because the guilt is the thing that makes you feel stressed about it more than the actual action. And it's a perception thing. Uh, what do we call work, right? And why are we doing it? If it's something we enjoy and we feel good in energy level and it's not eating the priorities of our life, like our relationship, family, health. If it's eating something else that is important of our lives, then maybe we look at it and we try to change. So it's a constant reevaluation and checking with ourselves and making mistakes, like being in a work mode. I like also rules, setting rules like, okay, no work or no messages from work a certain time. So it's like habit. What are the cues that are making you think of work and how to stop those cues before you get in work mode, right? And that leads also me to the question, when do you make time to think about those things? What we call white space, right? Because it's like, you need a distance. You need to feel good. You need to be in your meta thinking, observing yourself, basically, to even like be questioning those things, how you organize yourself, your time. How do you incorporate that? Or how do you find the time to think about the big question, your own organization, management, or priorities in your company? I would say that in my role, the white space is difficult and that's why I block space in my calendar. In fact, many people are like, I'm never able to book a space on your calendar. And I'm like, it's on purpose. So <laughs> you ask me and I'll make a space. So everyone, of course, knows that they can meet me anytime, but I, I block it because otherwise sometimes I wouldn't eat even if I don't block it. I enjoy the downtimes. You know, my days usually are very heavy, and but suddenly there is one day that, you know, it's a little bit of downtime, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to embrace today because tomorrow is going to be so hard <laughs> that it's better to enjoy this moment and think. And so I try to enjoy the good days as well. Usually Fridays, when you guys were mentioning Fridays, for me, Fridays are awesome. From 2 p.m., I kind of start thinking there is no more people coming from all angles and... And I'm like, oh, this is so nice. Now I can really <laughs> drink a Coke or whatever and think. It's interesting whether you're also, I think, an afternoon person or a morning person. So I'm really an afternoon person. I actually do some of my best work after 3.30 p.m. So 4 to 7 p.m. are like prime productivity hours for me. However, if I've had eight meetings or six meetings by then, my brain is completely fried. So it doesn't matter that I have this time off because I no longer have the mental energy to produce focused work. So for instance, on Wednesday or Thursday, so I like to have one of those days in the middle of the week a bit clearer in the afternoon and to kind of from 12 on have few or no meetings. And the reason for that is I know I've done a lot of the work I needed to do, like I've preloaded the week and then I have time to kind of set the following, like the end of the week and to prepare the next week. So for instance, I actually prefer, other than my Monday morning, generally I prefer to have my meetings in the morning because I prefer to not use my focused mental energy then. Because of that, I also like to start at 10. I do have to start at 9 because I work also with people in Paris. 
but I like to start the day a bit later so I can finish a bit later because it's more my natural inclination. And I even like towards the end of the day that there's no end specifically. Like if I feel like working and I'm productive, I can work until nine and just finish versus during the day. If I know I don't have time, there's going to be another meeting. I somehow cannot get into the same mind space. So I really love having that time for myself. Yeah. Now that you were saying about starting late, I was very well known among my Finnish friends when I was living in Madrid and they were in Helsinki and I didn't have kids to start very late. So at 10, 10.30, I was starting and I was ending at 7, 7.30. I was a very chill you know, type of late afternoon as well. But then the kids came and <laughs> everything yeah. ruined my natural you know, I'm not a good morning person. I can tell, my family can tell you that. <laughs> I don't talk in the morning at all. It's energy level, right? So when you know yourself a bit more through time experience, trial and error, then you can design your days, your meetings, the type of work, the nature of your work. So this is where you can go really deep in optimizing basically the outcome of how you work as a person to maximize like whatever those block of time or space of serendipity this is what is tricky, right? We are in a creative industry, creative work, and you cannot say I'm going to be creative from that time or time, but it does increase the opportunities of it when you are not stressed and focused on doing something and thinking. And what are your tools for energy? I think, Joanna, you were interested in the topic zone of genius. And once you understand a bit, like, what are your creative moments, spark? It could be with people or doing certain things that increase your energy. And then you become very creative and see problems with a different lens. How is it for you? Where are your best moments and how do you engineer them in a way in your routine or in your time? So you have more of those moments and then you delegate or reduce the things that drain energy. Because in the end of the day, it's energy management. I think it really depends. Like creativity is also of different forms, right? So yes, I'll give an example. Um, I found in the past when I was traveling a lot, but I was flying a lot. That before the plane took off, <laughs> there was a moment where I kind of calmed down and I had a lot of really good ideas that almost there were problems that I would have for days and that moment would be like, oh, I know exactly what to do. So there were a few moments where I was in public and so on when it was almost like I was in a cocoon. I sat in the plane, I put on my headphones, <laughs> I did the thing and all of a sudden I was like, ah, oh, space, nobody's going to bother me for the next three hours. There's no Slack, there's no phone. There's no, I turned on airplane mode and that's when the magic happens. I think it's what happens also in the shower to people, by the way. I think it's actually the same thing where nothing else is just you and your thoughts and there's nothing distracting you, no phone in your hand and so on. So I think one, it's important to foster those moments. And that's why I think that meditation probably also works in the same way because you're trying to not be distracted. But I would say for me, those moments are relatively rare. And in general, when I try to actually produce moments of creativity or like moments of focus I do try to have a mini way of getting into it like I have a certain album that I listen to where I need to do focused work like a certain actual playlist I put my headphones on basically I do some small rituals to make me feel like it's focus mode now we're doing that and I will usually start off with writing something on paper and a lot of the time it doesn't make any sense. Like what I'm actually putting on the paper is like four boxes that are not even connected to each other. But it's a bit like as I'm doing that, my mind is starting to create the picture internally of what we're thinking about. And again, then the music starts and so on, I get into it. And then I can kind of in two, three hours produce like an enormous amount of work that I was kind of trying to do maybe for a week or so. 
but again, to do that, I need to end up with good energy. So for instance, if I have meetings, I need to even change the balance of my meetings. So it's a combination of meetings I like. <laughs> and I find recharging versus meetings I don't. So for instance, I actually like my one-to-ones. I really enjoy spending time with my team. I love helping them and learning from them. So it's fine to have a couple of one-to-ones. But if we had like, for instance, vendor reviews and big group meetings where you have to pay attention to everybody and I had three of those one after the other after that, I could not do anything. So I try to put that time on those days where I know there's a good mix of meetings or fewer meetings. And when I have three or four hours and to do these little rituals, and now I do them on purpose. Like I picked an album I like to listen to every time, comfortable headphones. I have a notebook. I have everything prepared to kind of do the focus ritual and there mentally great in my case i learned very young already when i was at college that going outside to starbucks type of thing and my mom was like why why do you need to get out why you don't go to a library now everyone understands the starbucks concept but at the time <laughs> i was a little bit pioneering this and no one understood why i didn't even like the library because it was too silent i needed sound around me that is is not related to my work it's like people talking about whatever I don't care because I don't really want to listen to the conversation I just need the noise so I already realized that early and I've been doing it when I need it I say hey I'm gonna go to this place or whatever and then as you said I turn off a slack and I try to do that for example during the time that usually my kids, when they go to sports, you need to drop them an hour before their game. So there is an hour that you don't know what to do. <laughs> and this Saturday I did it, for example, and it was the most efficient hour of the week by far. I went to a coffee place and I did my thing and I need to read the agreements that uh, you need to pay attention to every word. That's a really, you need to be in a focused, nice environment and no one wants to read those. <laughs> and, But I need to find the place. It's not any place and it's not that easy. It needs to be Starbucks style. They don't talk too loud. There's not a little bit specific. But when I find them, then I'm always there. I know them by name. Hey, how are you? (laughs) And I'm coming here to work for a couple of hours. (laughs) Something that helps me that is similar. So I have a coffee shop downstairs, but it helps me to recharge if I do this, what I call the mental health walk. So if I go out for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, even if I don't work during the walk, it somehow separates the work I did before from the work I did after. And again, has the same benefit of the ritual that preloads everything in my mind. And again, I'm a bit like, why do I need to go spend four pounds on a coffee? I have coffee at home. <laughs> but it's because it helps give me like back to structure my time and give me back a bit of mental energy. And also I find walking very therapeutic in general. Mm-hmm love to go for a walk again before the pandemic when I was in the office I did walking one-to-ones and I also found those really great do you listen to music or what do you do while you walk I was trying to figure out what to do while walking because otherwise I end up thinking yes I listen to music listening to podcasts is also a good one though if I have too much energy I prefer to listen to music and the other thing is I walk fast and what I mean by that it's like a mini exercise so I do walk with purpose me and my friend laugh about this and we're running away from the demons, <laughs> but it helps a lot. But I agree. Otherwise, you just kind of feel that you're outside and you can't do anything about it. But if I kind of get my heart rate up a bit and I'm moving, it gives me a sense of progress, even though I'm just walking. It's interesting. Like I was listening to the walking habits. For me, 
I walk with doing nothing. It's like, I feel like I need not to think. So that's what helps me. For me, it's not to even have a distraction because it's giving space. And I don't know if you knew about it. Like I read that your brain works differently when you walk. That's why doing one-on-one while walking or sitting has a different outcome, right? So once you understand that, I think changing settings and whatever works for each, you know, understanding this and just increasing kind of the odds of whatever you want to have, more serenity, peace, or creativity. I see we are also reaching the end of our session today, but I see there's this good flow. Talking about coffee, we should really sit in a coffee having this conversation. That would be so meta, (laughs) like a a good white space moment or creative moments. Well, we have to make it happen this year. I'll make it as a commitment to myself. But I close this conversation today with the last question. As we talked a lot about, okay, work and setting boundaries to your personal life, energy. I'm curious about the things not related to work that you like to do, but in some way indirectly help support your life or the work in any way, just things personally you like to do. I'm going to give an answer that I think you can only really understand as an adult, but I really love to learn stuff. And I only realized learning is just a hobby in itself. I think Mm -hmm. three or four years ago that I just learn because I like it. So I read, but I also kind of did a master's. And then now I'm trying also for the article articles that we're writing and so on to give myself opportunities to learn because I feel like it enriches my life. And also I love gaming. I'm a massive gamer. I love mobile games. I love console games. And that ties a lot very well into my job because being a gaming expert really helps. I love romance books. (laughs) When I'm nervous and I really need to take my mind from whatever is eating me, a good romance book that I read in one seat that really makes it because they are all the same and I know how they are going to end. I like it. That's similar to Korean TV shows. Other people in my team now are telling me that they are watching Korean TV shows and I'm like, hmm, interesting. I shared with my team and now people are saying, yeah, and I have watched this one. And it's very interesting, weird thing that we're doing. But that for me, that's because, as you said, write articles or even learn. I would love to learn. I would love to do a master in many things, but uh, I don't have time for more. I just have time to the opposite, very short amounts of time that can take away my mind from somewhere. And that works in my case. I can confirm that it's exhausting. Like I did a master's and then I was like, why am I doing this to myself? <laughs> <laughs> I like it, but it's like, it hurts. It's like when you do the gym really intense. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird, huh? It's weird. I do yeah. have the same with the learning thing as well. It's like, it sounded like a good idea. And when you're very like, why? <laughs> And so then I get to like Simonetta is like, I just want a good or bad rom-com. You know, it's comforting. It's cheesy. You know how it ends. It's like a guilty pleasure. It's not something I would brag about everywhere, but it feels good. So it does the purpose it should do. Our TV reality show that I have a lot of girlfriends following as well. I mean, it's just entertainment. Just enjoy it, right? And it doesn't have a further purpose than the activity itself. And that's what entertainment is, as we are creating, by the way, with the games. (laughs) That's exactly what we, in Game House, we are envisioning as well. It's about gaming entertainment. That's exactly it. It's not about (laughs) fun, in a way. Yes, I was like having funny imagination, like some future game house story, like some Korean drama inspired a lot of romance and drama, triangle drama. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it was very entertaining for me. I hope as well for you today, this conversation about routines. And I hope you can learn also from each other of our conversation today. I found like as well, the most energizing is learning from each other in this kind of setup. And also if others can enjoy, it's even better. So thanks again for joining the conversation today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It was very nice. Wonderful. Take care.